When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This holiday season, AT&T is giving away $25,000 just for telling them what great LG products you want this year. Stop by a participating AT&T store and snap a selfie holding up the LG products you want to get, like the LG V20 with 5.7-inch HD display and direct TV app to watch live TV. Then share your selfie on Twitter or Instagram with hashtag Here's What I Want Sweeps or upload it to Here's What I Want Sweeps.com for a chance to win $25,000. No purchase necessary. Click the banner for rules and a list of participants stores. Dirty soda and stuff, spend a day to get my mind blown. Dress it up and go to NASA. Two hundred miles on a dash. Got a roll of pound up a gas. Switch the lanes in the grand. And welcome to the uh, second Summer Series episode of Instant Office Podcast. I'm James Hollis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin, a.k.a. BillBallBreakdown.com's uh, Clown Prince. Um, we already covered the Southwest Division uh, with Tim Cato last time. Uh, today, we're going to go back to, to the Eastern Conference, and we're going to cover the Southeast. And I got my man, Big Waz, straight out of Queens, uh, True Hoops on. How you doing, my brother? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me, Snot. I'm really um, happy to be here, man. I look forward to this. No, nah, man. Hey, I, I, thank you for taking the time, man. We almost had our first snafu. I think we had a little technical difficulty. To that, so everybody's going to have that little pause in the beginning of the show. That's because my music didn't kick off automatically. But we got it going now. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, We're going to just hop right into it because I know hey, time is money. We both got things to do today. But, um. Well, yeah, this summer's been crazy so far. We covered the Southwest last time. So we, we mean you're going to hit the East Coast and we're, we're going to cover the Southeast. Um, and we both talked about this before. And, you know, I think we agree. <clears throat> the Heat are the highlight of this this episode uh, because, I mean, I'm looking at their roster now. They got a lot of roster churn. Uh, they just gave Tyler Johnson 50 mil. Uh, they just made uh, Hassan Whiteside a rich man. Brought in some some new faces. A Waiters Island moved over to Miami, but the face that's missing is is Dwayne Wade. Uh, after 13 years, over 20,000 points, uh, three rings, uh, him and Riley just couldn't see. You know, they couldn't get it together. Talk to me a little bit about that dynamic, man. We saw how close they were uh, when Riley brought Shaq in, and you know, Riley stood beside him through his injuries through the you know the mid 2000s. Uh, they, he brought him help. He, he helped him transition through the LeBron phase, and now this happened, man. What are your thoughts on how that how that shook out? Um, you know, it's all a little – it's all – not even a little. It's all really interesting to me to, to watch it all unfold because of the nature of our league and the pay structure, right? So a guy like right. D. Wade, you know, a lot of the narrative you hear going into the summer and even last summer was like, D. Wade's never been the highest paid player on the Heat. D Wade took a pay cut to um to to let the big three form back in 2010. Uh, D Wade uh, took another um took another haircut when they were trying to 
get LeBron to come back um, in 2014. And that was and that was about, you know, and that was a huge part of the narrative. And, and, and I'm not going to lie, at first I thought the narrative was a bit, I don't know, skewed, because to me in, 2000, in 2010 when D-Wade signed for like, I think it was like 116 mil, I forget the exact number of what it was for the six-year contract. It's like, yeah, he left for about $3 million over the course of a six-year six year deal on the table. Like, to act like this guy got underpaid is a bit much. But now, you know, when I sit and think about it, because we have a max contract, because, you know, a guy, like, when you are a superstar at the very highest um, level of the league, it's impossible for you to be paid what your actual value is when it comes to what you're bringing to the franchise with tickets and merch and TV. Um, um, And not to mention your presence being the sole reason why a guy like LeBron James and another guy like Chris Bosh would even want to come. It's almost impossible for them to compensate him fairly for what he's contributed to the franchise. So, you know, I kind of understand why D-Wade would look at these guys and say, I understand that winning is first and foremost, but I've, I've brought a lot to this franchise, to this company, this organization, this program. And I can understand why he would feel entitled to be paid, you know, a sort of a back pay, a remediation, if you will, for what he's done for them throughout the course of his tenure in Miami. You know, at the same time, I can understand why a guy like Pat Riley would say you should trust us and trust that we would take care of you eventually, right? No doubt. The number one goal should always be to be at the highest level of the league, bringing the best talent possible. You know, the money, because, you know, this is a heat lifeless situation and, uh, you know, this idea that, this is a family-oriented situation. We go to each other's weddings, and we go to each right. uh, You know, I would go to uh, Udonis Haslam's mom's funeral, as Pat Riley would say. Um, I could see why he would say, you know, kick it, kick it, kick, kick the can down the road, and we'll take care of you eventually. But you know, I I, I can't lie. Kind of side with D. Wade and those people who know, who are familiar with my stance on these things. I tend to be pro player in these situations because generally speaking, you know, they're the ones getting taken advantage of, getting taken advantage advantage of most of the time. So I tend to be pro D Wade here. And it's like, man, if Chicago is willing to pay me this much, you should be willing to pay me at least that much. Yeah. I'm with you. A guy like, like Tyler Johnson and, and, and the white side get paid and, and not feel that way. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's that's it. You hit the nail on the head because I think m- almost more than the money is the fact that when free agency kicked off, it was about Hassan Whiteside. Then it was about uh, it was about KD, you know, and they were holding them off to you know, a wage on the back burner, and they they lowballed him first. It was, it was like you said, it was it's kind of respecting. He's he's been Mister Miami for so long, and you know they kept talking heat lifer, and, and from and, but like you said, from Riley's side of it, it's it's business, and he he can't. They're not in the Lakers situation where they have nothing to play for and they can just say, hey, man, here, we open up the, the vaults for you, Dwayne Wade, because, you know, the money's all yours. They're trying to stay competitive. So it's, it's a tough situation, man, on, on both sides. I, I, I'm i with you, though. I think Riley handled this kind of – they probably could have went the Wade in a different way. You know, say, hey, man, listen, we're going to try to get your money. Let us work this out now. 
and and under the under the table wink wink hey two years from now we're gonna you know we're gonna bust it open for you but right now we're just trying to we want to keep a winner around you so it's it's tough man it's it's tough for both sides my my thing was that first offer was like 10 mil you know and that's that's kind of yeah. it's about respect it's about respect and they didn't really respect it man um i brought up hey we brought up we talked about white side uh 27 years old uh, was out of the league like you know a year and a half ago two years ago less than 150 total games under his belt um and they just handed the guy almost 100 million dollars four years 98 mil there were actually issues i mean i remember reading stories chris bosh wade they all had quotes about kind of his maturity they said it the nice way but basically you know about his focus and maturity and now he's cashed out they took a leap of faith miami took a real leap of faith i didn't want the celtics i'm a celtics guy i didn't want them to even look at hassan white side i can get why teams love the the shot blocking the rebounding even a little scoring and finishing i get it but with the, the issues and the age and you know there's a reason it took so long for him to get there what are your thoughts on that man did they bet on the wrong horse was this a good investment um see from the perspective of other teams as far as especially somebody like the celtics i could understand the hesitancy in bringing a guy like hassan whiteside in but for miami i think the way they look at it is like this guy has bounced around the league he's bounced around overseas and they were the first ones the only ones really to unlock his potential and so I can understand why they see this as, you know, somebody that they've invested in, they've developed, and they don't want to see him go. Right. You know? But at the same time, it, it, his, his track record kind of speaks for itself. This is a guy who, you know, was hard to get in line when he was making league minimum. Now that he's got $100 million plus bank, you know, it, it – who knows what Spoh's going to be able to get through to this guy if you couldn't get through to him when he was making minimum and, you know, the potential for exactly. all this money was out there. But, you know, I, I think the, the likely, it's more likely than not that Whiteside actually lives up to this deal, meaning that he, he's going to be, you know, a plus offensive player. Okay. Um, that's going to, I think he'll be a plus offensive player throughout the life of this deal. And I think, you know, and it's, and, and you know, at 27 years old, you can kind of go a little overboard still talking about potential, but obviously the potential is there for him to be a dominant defensive player. I don't know if he's True. ever going to have the smarts down, you know, a lot of times. And I think it was Stan Van Gundy who said this, he was like, you know, there are no elite players who aren't really smart, right? Like, you get a guy like Dwight Howard, and, and people used to take his defensive dominance a bit for granted. But in order for him to be that dominant, he had to be thinking the game on a level that's far above an average player as far as right. his, his breaking down what an offense is trying to do, where he needs to be, when he needs to be there. Um. I don't know that Whiteside can quite get to that level, but I think he can definitely make improvements, um, you know, because there were times in the Charlotte series where he, 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 he got it, right? Where I was like, man, right. like, you can see why this guy's important. He's so huge. He's actually mobile. He can get up. You know, he has the quick hops where he can get up, jump on a dime. You know, you can see uh, 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 an absolutely dominant player trying to, you know, crawl out of there. 
Um, but there were other times where it's like three, four plays in a row where he just made the boneheaded decision on that end. So, you know, right. he's going to be a plus offensive player because I think he's, he, he's, he's a dominant player in the pick and roll and what they call, you know, the, the vertical spacing. Like, he's an alley-oop threat, you know, as soon as he, you know, rolls to the basket. Um, but I think on the defense is where he has to prove himself a bit more. And I don't know, you know, your guess is as good as mine as to whether he'll reach that. But I think for the most part he's going to live up to his contract because he's, he's an above-average starting NBA center, period, full stop. There's See, what – what worries me is, like you said, man, the physical tools are there. The man can get up. He's long. He's he pretty. He's athletic. Just the mental, man. And and like you know, when some I remember I was reading some of the some of the things that Chris Bosh and Wade said. It's basically was just he's not very mature. You know, he's he needs to, he needs to you know he needs to worry about. So I get it, but he's I mean he already had a turn overseas. He's back now. So for Miami's sake, I hope you're right. You know, but I like I said, I don't want my team. Yeah, I think a lot of teams did the same. They won't want the team to touch him. I know LA wanted him. I know Portland wanted him. I'm glad. I'm glad that you know we weren't in the running in Boston. Um, and speaking of the big men in Miami, Chris Bosh, one of the best big men in the game. Uh, right. I think he got underrated. He got underrated playing with LeBron and Wade, and I, you know, he showed a little bit before he got you know the, the blood clot started. The man can do almost everything. Uh, he'll give you twenty, right. almost ten block shots, pick and roll, defend pick and roll, hit the he can hit threes now. But uh, with the, you know, from what I'm hearing, he wants to play. The team's not gonna let him play, and they they got his safety in mind. Moving forward, uh, what what do you know about this situation? What, what's your thoughts on this situation? I'm not saying what you know. I don't think anybody knows, but Bosch and the team. But what have you heard? And and what what's your take on that, man? Like as as Pat Riley wants to win, but you got to put safety first, right? Yeah, uh, I've actually talked about this um, quite a bit. Uh, it's it's tough in the sense that because I was a little put off when people were patting Miami on the back for not playing the guy. I'm like, look, okay. it's not even a salary captain. If the guy dies, right, playing right. with this with this issue, the amount of blowback that the Heat would get, for, and it's not and it's not to say that they don't care about Chris Bosh, but at the end of the day, they have to. And, you know, this might come off as cynical, but they have to think about what the repercussions would be. Like, the the cost-benefit of this is just, you know, I understand where they're coming from. But at the same time, if, if a guy, you know, who has a reputation for being as smart as measured, you know, he's not – Chris Bosh is the, is the opposite of the dumb jock um, right. stereotype. He's a guy who's known for his thoughtfulness, for his – um. It's curiosity. The guy is a smart dude. Um, he's got children and a wife. I think if he thought that there was a chance that he would die out there, I don't think that he'd be willing to, you know, go on this journey with them. But, you know, I, at the same time, with liability issues being what they are, and we can't forget that if the Heat don't play this guy, uh, his, his contract comes off the books. Right. So, you know, I mean, and we got to think know. about, we got to think about this, man. It's like, I, I'm with you because Bosch to me has always been one of the smarter players. He's, he comes off very self-aware. You, you nailed it. But just if there's a, a 5% chance of him collapsing on right. that court and dying or, or him after a game and then on ESPN's report the next morning, Chris Bosch didn't wake up this morning with complications. 
just imagine the optics and and i know it's that's like you said it's kind of it sounds kind of cold hard to say about optics and publicity but that would be wow. crushing for miami you know so yeah, yeah it's if he does play let's let's say he does play how much better does he make them does he make them legit challenges in the east chris bosh hassan Whiteside, uh the young boys I mean, just these the challenges to get out the first round right <laughs> like, i don't I don't think they're challenges in any way, shape, or form to Miami. And I didn't buy that they were challenges last year. Um, you know, and my man, Amin, shout out to him, Amin Al-Hassan, ESPN's own. You know, he was on the Heat Island from early. He thought they would they could give Cleveland a nice run for their money. I never really bought that. Um, and, and, and that was with, you know, Wade and everybody and, and, and Luol Dang still in the fold. Granted, um... I think we'll see improvements from, from pretty much all of the young guys, whether it be uh, Josh Richardson, uh, Tyler Johnson, Justice yes, Winslow. Sir. I think those guys across the board you're going to see improvements from. But I just – I don't know. I don't, I don't know how the roster sort of figures itself out. I know Spo is a, is a wizard with figuring out what kind of lineups and what his rotation is going to be. But it, the, the roster just seems kind of uh, mismoshed, right? They don't have a, yeah. a real they, – the shooting is still a problem, just like it was last yep. season. And although – and you know what? I will say this. Last season, I was one of those people that thought that the, the Z-Wave usage numbers were a bit too much for me, especially in crunch time. I thought, I thought they were just wasting Drogic and making him a spot-up shooter. You yes. Know? And – Part of it was that D Wade already had a chemistry with Whiteside, but I don't think Drogic was was ever allowed to develop a chemistry with Whiteside. He had it automatically with Bosch. They, yep. Their pick and roll chemistry was was there from the gate, but him and Whiteside never quite worked it out. And I think because of that, both felt more comfortable. Um, one, it's hard to tell a guy like D Wade, a legend, uh, you know, an all time great, like. Well, we're going to make you take it. It's one thing to say, you're taking a vaccine for LeBron James. It's another thing. Gordon Drogic is going to the main ball handler, right? Yeah, I, I can understand why D-Wade, but, you know, I think Gordon, his, his talents were kind of underutilized last season. I think this season, that's going to step up a bit. But right now, if you look at it, their best shooter is probably Josh Richardson. Man. I'm, and, I'm looking at the roster know, he, right. I'm looking at the roster right now, and yeah, it's Josh Richardson, Goran. Goran can stroke it a little bit. Um, yeah, we saw Dion. But if he's got the ball in his hands, exactly. Dion, Dion has showed size. You know, um, he's had some hot streaks in the past, but is he a reliable? Very student? streaky. Tyler, yeah, very streaky. Yeah, Tyler Johnson isn't exactly, you know, uh, Reggie Miller. So you know, I'm not sure where the shooter is going to come from. You know, I think yeah. they'll, I think they'll defend quite well. They're gonna defend well. I think Spoh's gonna get these guys to defend pretty well, especially with Richardson and Winslow. I love those two, man. I love them on the wings. I love Winslow's ability to 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 guard four from one to four. I love those two dudes. They're tenacity on defense. Even Tyler Johnson gets after it on defense a bit. Dion showed in the playoffs when when motivated. He'll get after it as well. So I think they could do some things. And, and, and Dion is a guy who happens to be playing for his life, actually. He's playing for his next deal. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
it's it, it, you know that'll be an intriguing situation. But this, I don't know. This looks like another forty-three, forty-two win team to me. What do you think about and that, this? Yeah, that's my next question, man. Because I'm looking at it, and I always like last year. I thought they'd fall off, especially without Bosch. You said it. I hate to agree like this. I want to give us some compelling radio and get into a beef with you about something. Right. <laughs> Spo, Spo is a wizard, man. Spo makes he makes it happen. Like the fact that he reconfigured his whole style halfway through the season and, and made them up tempo and it worked. Right. That says a lot. It's tough to change midseason. I just don't. This might be the tipping point because I mean, yeah, the East is the East is coming up. Uh, they lost Dwayne Wade, you know, 19, five and five almost, whatever. And so I just, all right, let's say, I, uh, let's say 500. Is 500 enough to get him in the playoffs? I don't think so. And then you're saying 43, 44 wins. So what do you think? You think that they're still going to be in this year, seventh, eighth seed? Yeah, I think they'll be right with Charlotte and then we're uh, this season. About, the, about a 44 win team is healthy. And they'll be, you know, a frisky, a pesky seventh seed, man. That's 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 what I see for these guys because they don't have one. They don't. It's two things. One, they don't have a truly just straight up elite player, right? Like a, a right. Just, you just say this guy is elite or even close to it. Two, their pieces don't fit in such a way yeah. that it didn't matter the way, say, the Hawks were a few years ago, right? If your pieces fit in such a way that everything is able to to meld in a way where you're better than the sum of your parts, then you can overcome that. But their pieces are kind of clunky right now. So, yeah, I I think, you know, out of respect to Spa, I think they'll be able to put together a a better than, much better than average defense Um. Not sure how they're going to squeak out offense yet. I don't know. I guess I, you know, that's that's why they play the games. I guess that's they would say. Um, but um, yeah, I I just not seeing them as a really upper crust Eastern Conference team. No doubt, man. I think I think they missed the playoffs. I think this could be the they missed the playoffs. And uh, I mean, Spoh's probably going to prove me wrong, but I just I just don't see it, man. Especially once once the league gets the tape on them. So uh, let's stay in Florida. Uh. Oh, I think we just dropped our call. Hope my man calls right back in because this this is rolling right now. Um, yeah, drop call. It's, it happens. So Big Wise is gonna call right back in, and we'll get right back on the show. I'm gonna go to this riff here because next we're going out to Orlando. Um, another year, another upheaval. I, I don't get what's going on in Orlando. Uh, they they did well to bring in had Oladipo. Um, you know they had. Uh, they had Tobias Harris. They had, you know, young talent all up and down the roster. And then it became a playoff push. And I don't, you can't skip steps when you're rebuilding. You can't, you can't just say, hey, we got young talent. The guys that don't even know how to play yet. And hey, we're trying to, we're going to make the playoffs right now. That's, it's not, everyone can't do that. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we got, we got big walls coming back on the air. Tell you, man, technology trying to keep us down today. Yeah, technology trying to keep us down today, man. We're not gonna let it happen. We're not gonna let it happen. We're not gonna let them. We're not gonna let them. That's they. No, they. They don't want to see us succeed today, man. Uh, like I said, we're staying in. I just, I just introed a little bit with the magic. I was was tap dancing, waiting for you to call back. Um, Orlando, man. Uh, they shifted gears yet again. 
it's yeah. crazy that they just they just shipped out like you had Tobias Harris. They re-signed him last summer, moved him halfway through the season. You drafted Victor Oladipo, who I think at sometimes looked like one of the best players in his draft. You move him out for Serge Ibaka. They let Mo Harkless go for nothing. Um, and when they got they moved Tobias for what uh Ilya Sov and Brandon Jennings, both those guys gone. They play off so badly. Um what do you think about the path that Rob Hennigan's taking out there? What do you think about how, how they're operating? It's, you know, it's a mess, honestly. There's, there's, no, there's no other way to put it. It just doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason to a lot of these moves, right? You go out, you go out and you get Serge Ibaka. You have um, uh, Vujicic already yep, on big- the roster. You go out and sign Bismarck Biombo for back's money. Yeah, Jeff, you bring in Jeff Green. You already have um, one of my favorite players. Um, uh, sorry, the kid from Arizona. Um, oh, Aaron Gordon. Why am I drunk? Yeah, Aaron Gordon. Aaron. Um, it's it's just a weird the 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 front court rotation is just I'm looking at it and my head hurts. I just I don't understand like I I could like okay a rotation a, a front court rotation of Ibaka Biombo and Aaron Gordon that three man front court rotation is actually a nice a pretty nice way to start. But what are you doing with Vujicic? Yes. Vucevic, excuse me, I keep calling him. Sasha yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Vucevic, <laughs> what are you what are you doing with that? He seems to be the odd man out to me. Yeah, I call him Vucci man, and I, I've been on I've been on the wave where I think they probably should look to move him. I said it before they even got Serge and Biombo, for the simple fact that it's like you said, he's almost like a, a square peg in a round hole. And if and if we and if we're talking about the modern NBA, I've heard whispers about Aaron Gordon at the three, uh, Aaron Gordon being the ball handler in pick and roll situations. I, I mean, what are we? What are we talking about here? You know, maybe he's going to flash some, you know, playmaking ability, ball handling, shooting that I've that I've yet to see from him. But it seems awkward, man. I, I'm not sure what they're doing there. It's best to win, like last year, and and they they got they got a, a pass first point guard in Alfred Payton, and then last year we saw that Evan Fournier can do a lot of playmaking too, and they just gave him 85 mil. It is. I, I, the one word that sticks out to me is desperation. And I, I wonder if ownership ownership seems so hell-bent on making the playoffs because, like, we owe it to the fans. But after what we just saw in Philly, Philly fans will stay loyal because they, their ownership had a plan, and they stuck to it, and the plan was for long-term success. And, yeah, if, yeah, if Philly looked – I mean, that's an extreme situation. You don't want that. Right. But there's no need to rush and say, oh, we got to make the playoffs just to make the playoffs to be a first-round out and then be right. a mediocre team and- for the next five years. And I've been a vocal opponent of the process. I, you know, I've, I've, you know, made my opinion known many times that I thought how they went about doing it was annoying for somebody who actually likes watching competent basketball. But at the same time, if you watch what Orlando did, like Orlando was the is the argument for the process, right? Yes. Like they they never tried to bottom out. They just straight up said. We're going to play our, we're going to go into every season. We're going to play how we play. We're not going to bottom out. And we're going to just, wherever we fall in the draft is where we fall in the draft. And we're going to try to take 
the best available guy and construct the roster. But there's kind of the argument for, man, they, if you look at their roster, they haven't been to the playoffs in how long they don't have a, a centerpiece at the moment. You know, and Oladipo was seen as their centerpiece for a few years, and they shipped him out. You know, so this is the this is the argument for why Sam Hinkie is is the genius that some people on basketball Twitter would have you believe he is. So, you know, Alfred Payton, he like what are they doing with him? I, you know, I've never been a huge fan of this kid. Um, he plays hard, God bless him, but the the, the shoot the non shooting ability seems to me the like something yes. that would always be a hindrance. Especially, you know, what people the, 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 what people fail to realize is not that you can't shoot. Um, not being able to shoot is never the end of the world. It's that you're also not finishing at the basket. Yes. Like, a, a guy like D. Wade, who we spent the last segment um, talking about extensively, he never had a jump shot, ever. But he was so elite at getting to the basket, finishing, and or drawing a foul that mitigated his 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 um not his ability his, his, his shooting ability or his non shooting ability. Um if right. you have it Alfred he could never finish at the basket. You know, same thing with a guy like Ricky Rubio. You know, back in the days people would compare these guys to Jason Kidd, but Jason Kidd was elite at the basket. That guy yep. would get to the rim and he was finished consistently. Post up um, all that, uh, yep. All of that. Alfred he never really had those con- opponents to his game and so that was made worse by his you know his his his, his terrible shooting i'm a guy who likes his own, his own yeah, i like his i like his potential um yep. I, you know he's actually somebody who's on this team who could actually put the ball in the hoop from deep which is a rare thing on this roster um you know they brought in Frank Vogel, who I'm a big fan of but he's he doesn't have a reputation for being able to goose off out of nothing you know, he's Man, not a Rick Carlisle type or a Dan Tony type. I don't know where you, how you're going to goose offense out of this thing. That, that's exactly where I am with them, man. It's like, I think defensively, like, they, they might not be an elite defensive team. You got Serge Ibaka and Biombo and Aaron Gordon, and you you can pull all three in the court at the same time. Teams might just right. not score for five, six minutes right. at a time, but Absolutely. then you might you you might score two points. And that's, that's right. where the question is going to come. Um, and... I feel a little bit like uh, about Vogel, like I feel about um, my man Tibbs going to Minnesota. Sure, he's he's shown he can make the best out of what he got and do very well, but can he teach? Can he raise these young kids up? And we don't know that yet. And so b- between Fournier, Hazonja, uh, and and Elton Elton Payton, it's such a like, Payton. I'm with you, man. It's like it's like Rondo. If you can't score, you're not a threat. You can't really stay on the court on, for a quality team. It's I, that's just that's just what it is. How does this backup stack up to the rest of the East, man? They got Beal and Wall in Washington. Uh, Kemba's doing his thing in, with, with Charlotte. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, and whoever you put beside him is gonna gonna kill in Cleveland. Wh- wh- where does this one? Where does this rank? Where does this rank in the East? We think. I mean, at this point, it's got to be close to the bottom, right? Forty eight is kind of kind of proven himself last season as a guy who he he can handle it. He he can make plays out of pick and roll. Um, he's not terrible at drawing contact and drawing fouls. Like he's shown himself to be a, a more than capable offensive guy, primary ball handler guy, which is fine. But 
Alfred is, you know, is Alfred and Azoni is still improving. So their backcourt situation is pretty much a mess right now. You know, that's um, no, it's all good. I'm at the um freaking, I'm at the freaking daycare. Ain't it, no problem, man. We will overcome, man. We will overcome. So yeah. I guess so we got a mismatch roster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got we got two great defensive uh, big men. Not a lot of shooting. Where do we see them finishing this year? Well, well, give me a, give me a prediction. How many how many wins? How many wins for? All right, let me ask you. Over under thirty six wins. And what you got? I was that's I was about to say thirty five wins for these dudes. Thirty five wins, and and, and to so, me that's even a generous estimate. And and you know what? This might be a team where a a a, a front court injury actually unlocks some things for them to where they could have some lineup clarity. You know, because at this at this point. You kind of have to play all of these guys, and one of them is going to be the odd man out, or, unless you just feel like you can do the three man, uh, power forward center thing with, with with uh, Vucevic, um, Biombo, and, and Serge, and you just have uh, Jeff Green and Aaron Gordon as your permanent three. Uh, it's just, uh, I don't understand these lineups. I don't get it, man. <laughs> hey, Jeff Jeff Green's such a waste, man. That, I, I, I get it. Yeah, hey, people are like, oh, it's only one year. It doesn't hurt anything. Yes, it does because he's Jeff Green, which is he looks like a basketball player. He walks like a basketball player. He talks like what? But he's not a good basketball player, right? I mean, you give him 15 million, he's going to take minutes from somebody who needs minutes, and he's going to be a net zero on the floor, maybe a negative. So I just, I, yeah, I don't see them making playoffs again, man. And it, I feel bad for Orlando fans because I, I love Depot. I think Depot's going to show out with Russ and OKC. Uh, I think he just needed, you know, a little more space, opportunity, and some good coaching. I think Depot is going to show. I don't know. I think Tobias is going to show out in, in Detroit this year too. So uh, let's move up south. Let's move up north a little bit, man. We're going to go to Atlanta. Uh, uh, so we're both in agreement though. Orlando's not making the playoffs this year. About mid thirty, yeah, right? Sounds about right. Yeah, mid thirty. Yeah, I give him thirty five wins. And that's a generous estimate. That is. I think so. All right. So um check this out. Uh Atlanta Hawks, 60 wins two years ago, number one seed. Uh last year, people said they they were just as good, uh, even though the record didn't show it, but then same results for you know, got got blown out by by the Cavs. Sweet. Uh, I think they they I don't think they did Horford right. We were talking about Miami and 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 Wade. I don't think they treated Horford right in his negotiations, and that kind of led to him probably making a decision to join Boston. You know, there was talk at last that wanted him and Dwight. Uh, did they do enough to reverse the trend? They got Dwight Howard in. They traded uh, they traded Teague for, and now we're gonna we're gonna give uh, Dennis Schroeder the the, the range. They brought in some. They got some good. I think there's some good forwards in the draft. I like Bembry, uh, and I like Tarian Prince. But did they do enough to 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 actually win a game against Cleveland this year? I would have to say no, man. You know, and and the thing is, I'm actually a Dwight guy. I'm a Dwight apologist. I think I think, and a lot of this stuff is self inflicted. With, with how he's handled himself in the media. But I think a, a lot of the stuff about the personal, the ways people feel about Dwight personally kind of mm-hmm. take away from his actual ability on the court. 
you know. One hundred percent. And and last year, I think his defense suffered. And I remember Sergi Baca talked about this a little bit. Um, after OKC, they went on a little streak, and and the people as they said, Sergi looked reinvigorated. He said, "Look, I'm a human being, man. Like I like to touch the ball. I'm like anybody else. It's hard." It's hard to get motivated to give you everything on defense when you're not touching the ball offensively, you know. And right. if you feel like you're in a situation where it's hopeless and you're playing with guys who you view as selfish, your defense is inevitably going to suffer. And I think Dwight is going to – he's going to um, rebound this year on the defensive end. He's going to be a, 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 a more-than-plus defender on that, and he's going to help them with rebounding. Um, I, I, I'm not, I, I don't love the fit with, with Millsap, but I don't hate it at the same time. You know, even though Millsap isn't a knockdown guy from outside and Dwight, obviously he needs to be close to the basket pretty much at all times. Even though I saw right. a video of him on Twitter yesterday, uh, <laughs> draining 16 footers, um, <laughs> You know, uh, hey, real quick, did you, did you, did you, real quick, did you hear what Dwight said about that? Dwight said, I've been shooting jump shots and I hit, I hit I all my free throws and jump in practice. And, well, and he said, and he said, he said, I'm so worried about messing up. I don't do them in games. I believe him. That's, that's nuts to me. I believe him. I think, we, sorry, I think we underrate, uh, I think we underrate confidence, right? There's something too. Yep. There's something to taking a shot and you knowing that everybody else is fine with it, whether it goes in right. or not. That pressure of if you take this, you better make it. I think that, you know, certain guys just don't care, right? It's like, I'm going to shoot this no matter what. It's the Antoine Walker sort of thing where it's like, I'm taking this shot. And that would be some of them are going to go in. Right. Inevitably, some of them are going to go in, and I'll be justified for taking them. I believe it. I believe that he that he makes his free throws in practice. By all accounts, everybody who's ever been around guys like him, guys like Shaq, guys like DJ, say they make their shots in practice. It's in the game. There's some kind of mental block that just, you know, everything just goes haywire. They think too much. They really just care yep. too much about making these shots. So exactly. I believe to White when he says that he's been shooting, he's been had a nice touch. If you remember, um, if you remember when he first came into the league, the expectation was that eventually he would develop a, sh- a jump shot. Yep. You know, I, yep, I remember man. people were kind of uh, uh, comparing his game to a Tim Duncan type. <laughs> you know, the expectation was that he he could he had a little bit of touch and that he would eventually be able to take his game out to 15 feet. So, you know, it's not surprising to me that he, he over the years, this is something that he's worked on and that he's actually pretty decent at. But, uh, yeah, going back to the fit with Millsap, I don't love it, but Millsap is an incredible defender. I don't think he, he gets the love that he deserves on that, and he's incredible at his defensive versatility as far as guarding bigs, guarding wings, you know, being able to switch out. Um, even uh, sometimes even uh, meeting guys at the rim, a little bit of rim protection. Yep. Um, he has a re- he's a really high IQ guy offensively, and I think that's what you need when you have two guys who don't fit where they fit awkwardly. If if one of right. those guys is really high IQ, he's good at cutting. He he'll, um, he'll figure out how to offensive rebound. 
Um, I think you can make some of those things work, particularly in the regular season when half of your games are against teams like, you know, uh, the New York Knickerbockers. You know, <laughs> well, not the, maybe not the Knicks this, maybe not the Knicks this year, but you know what uh, I mean. Too late, too late. I'm gonna. Everybody heard what he said, right? He's calling, he's calling the Knicks a pushover in 2016, 2017. That's that's at Big WOS. Make sure you get out on about that. But uh, I I actually think I think Millsap and Dwight Howard are actually gonna because we've seen Millsap can put on the floor, face up, and you know we're gonna he's gonna let Dwight run the pick and rolls. Dwight, you know, live around the rim, and like you said, defensively, I think they're gonna, they're gonna be a stone wall. Um, it's gonna take a time, and and like you said, they gotta get Dwight involved. Uh, Serge did hit. Serge said it too, and Serge, Serge exaggerated. And I think this was this was my first sign that he was out of OKC when he was like, "Yeah, it sucks when you go ten minutes without touching the ball." I mean, yeah, it's it, it's true. I, hey, that team was very Russ and KD centric, and he he just he wanted more touches. He's gonna have a resurgent year in Orlando too, I think. But um, I, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I think Dwight Dwight's gonna surprise a lot of people. And and like you said earlier, as you said earlier, a lot of people look at Dwight as a clown and all that, so they let that bleed over and how they get, how they rate his game. Or because originally his it was you know this guy can be an all time great Shaq like player then all of a sudden they see twenty one and and thirteen and that's not enough so by the way that's not something to sneeze at <laughs> it's not that's my whole point right that's crazy it's like the dude the dude has been legitimately what I think uh you know a handful of def- defensive player of the years uh, rebounding he the dude can just flat out I mean he made to life hell for people to for me Dwight Howard is the best defensive player of his era. I would go. I would agree with you on that. I, I, I would agree with you on that. And the fact that people even try to say he's not a Hall of Famer because he's a clown, he smiles too much. That's that's foolishness. Uh, we they talked a little about, about top five defenses in Orlando with the likes of Heaton Turkoglu and Rashard Lewis around this guy and Jameer Nelson. And, like, and Jameer Nelson, guy, yeah. This guy was anchoring top five defenses pretty much by himself. Whatever, he was basically he, he was not nah, you you have I'm, I'm with you on the stove box bro because he was basically the only like plus defender they had and and him and Stan Van Gundy made uh, made a lot of tight defenses um so Jeff Teague I, I was never a huge Jeff Teague fan but I knew what he meant he was so quick I knew what he meant for Atlanta uh last season for whatever reason he didn't seem all the way there mentally and they moved him out uh Dennis Schroeder's taken over and they brought in my man um man what's my man's name I forgot my man's name right now the uh, backup point guard, Delaney. They brought yeah. Delaney from overseas. Um, I sent you a video. I hope that, uh, you might, you probably already knew about him. My man can really score and shoot. So now they're going to go with Dennis Schroeder. Do you think from what you saw of Dennis Schroeder, he showed out in the playoffs? Is he ready for starters' responsibilities? Can you um, – what do you think he's going to – Look, I was one of those people that watched Schroeder in Eurobasket last summer. Okay. Absolutely dominated people like he was dominant okay and i had i have a lot of i have an affinity for guys who can get to the basket at will schroeder does have that type of ability and his jump shot you know quite as kept isn't terrible it's just his iq slash decision making just isn't there and i think by this point if you haven't shown that you are a high iq guy um, you know, you see the opening, you get to the opening, you see the man, you get the ball there. He hasn't shown to be that, when to take the shot, when not to. He just hasn't proven it in, by now, and I don't know that it's something you can count on. 
But at the same time, he's never been given the keys to the offense. So I can understand why Atlanta would be like, you know what, we're going to fully invest in this kid, and we're going to see what we got here. I just don't think in the minutes that he has played, whether it be both regular season and playoffs, he's shown to shown himself to be a guy um, that can be an above-average NBA starter. I'm See, not, this is my thing. Know, is, this is my is thing he with a that. Is top fifteen point guard in the NBA? Uh, who? I think he. I think he can get there. I think he can mm. get there because the physical tools are there. And you're right. I don't think he's a natural. What they call a quote unquote natural point guard, where you know he's a pass first guy. It it just doesn't come naturally to him. But he can learn. Uh, I think we saw we saw Westbrook learn. Westbrook learned to the point where sure. yeah, he has way, way he has way more physical tools. But we see he's he's thinking the game a lot more than he was two three years ago. So I think I think he I think he can get up there. If we're talking about top fifteen, so that's like the the back end. That's what the Reggie Jacksons, the um, who else? Sure. Maybe the Goron. You think he Goron, can get to be as good as Reggie Jackson and Goran Dragic? Um, I think he can no. get in that. In that conversation, while he might not be the mental side of it might not be as good, I think he has more physical tools than maybe Goron. He's right there with Reggie Jackson. The kids, the kids, quick. He's he got the long arms. I, 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 and, I love and, his, uh, I love his physical tools. I love his tools. Yeah. I love his nose for wanting to attack guys. I love that about him. But there's just a certain um, I don't know how you would explain it, but the just the intangibles of being a lead guard that a guy like Goran or a guy like Reggie Jackson, like they have a certain, they have a good idea of what exactly it is they're supposed to be doing in a given situation. With Schroeder, I don't know that he has that, man. I don't know. I'm looking forward and to, maybe you're right. we're going re, to revisit this. We're going to revisit it. I'm looking forward yeah. to bringing this one back up at the end of the year. Yeah. Um. So I, 48 wins last year for them. Uh, what what do you think this year? Uh, I, I'm I'm gonna I'll, I'll go first with this one. I'm seeing 40 45 wins still solidly in the playoffs. I think defensively they're gonna be really really good, uh, but I worry again that offense is so dependent on everyone else. I think Coach Buzzman have to shift his offense a little bit, and and that whole you know ball sharing everyone everyone gets a chance thing has to go, and they might have to be a little more traditional. Inside out, uh, you know, where they run the pick and rolls with Dwight, the four out kind of thing. So uh, I'm saying 45 wins and and a, and a play and you know maybe right in the mix again with the Pacers and the Celtics, a little less a step below the Celtics, and uh, nowhere near Cleveland, of course. Uh, I probably think, you know what I think they could win close to the 50 games, and and okay. that's not and that's not an indication of how good I think they will be, you know. Postseason, post regular season, but in the regular season, I think people just un- always underestimate how important it is to have a system one, you know, and playing hard. <laughs> I think those are the two most underrated parts of the regular season. And while you can watch, like, you know, you know how we'll watch San Antonio sit for their starters and then they'll just beat a team. One is right. because they're going, like, they're, they always play hard. And they, they're so system-oriented. They, they know what they're doing night to night. You know what I'm saying? So I think right. Atlanta has that. They have a sort of organization to them that benefits you in the regular season. We're a team like Sacramento, right? Because of their lack right. of system, yeah. 
and their lack of organization, they lose more games than they're supposed to. You know yep. what I'm saying? So they're going to play above what their talent is off of sheer effort and organization, in my opinion. But I don't think in the postseason they'll be better than a team like, say, um, a team like, say, uh, Boston or Charlotte or even Miami, for that matter. But in the regular season, because oh. they've already, they already know what they want to do, um, I think they'll be able to, to, you know, get close to 50 wins, man. Okay. All right. So yeah, I got him at forty five. I got him fifty. We we both agree there in the plan the playoffs. I think this next yeah. one, the first one, the first one we're not gonna agree on is Charlotte. Um because look, Charlotte lost like thirty points, uh twelve fifteen rebounds and like six assists tonight when when Lynn, uh Jeremy Lynn, Courtney Lee, and and, and Al Jefferson left. They replaced them with uh Roy Hibbert and, and like uh Marco Bellinelli. Yeah, they're gonna get MKG back. That's uh, uh Michael Kidd Gilchrist, great defender. And I know that Kemba Walker had a great season and, and might even take another step forward this year. They got the the big guy Frank the Tank. Uh, Frank Kaminsky is supposed to, you know, he, he, was, he was a top ten pick, so he should be should be worth something next year. I think Charlotte took a big step back. Um, last four years they've actually alternated. They missed the playoffs, then they made the playoffs out in the first round. Last year they made it, so by that pattern. This year they're gonna miss the playoffs. What's your you? We spoke earlier and you said that you know right. You said Miami uh, might be there with uh, Charlotte. You know at the at the at the bottom end of the at the playoff spectrum. What you what do you think? I guess you got them in. Yeah, they're in the playoffs, and and you know a lot of it. A lot of it to me is as that like they they still have their core together, and they went to the playoffs last year, battle tested. These guys kind of have a, a, an idea about what it takes to get it done. And I know that sounds cliche, but I think it matters in a regular season. I think that sort of know-how wins you games, right? And I think they view themselves as a team who's solidly in the playoffs. Also, you know, I think Kid Gilchrist, man, because of the injury luck, because he's not a shooter, and because, you know, the, in the modern NBA and on basketball Twitter, we kind of snicker at guys who can't shoot. I think we understand what this guy brings to a team, especially on the defensive end. He's a human He's a human walking average defense by himself, in my opinion. And he's one of the rare guys who can do that on the wings because of how he can affect both, you know, on the ball, off the ball, he can guard whoever you want him to on the wing and guard them extremely effectively. And a lot of people don't know this. He played um, – when he played high school with Kyrie Irving um, in New Jersey at, um, at St. Pat's, and Kid Gilchrist was the best player on that team. You know, the kid, he has okay. all – Yeah, he was the best player on that team, man. He has all the intangibles. People – you know, he hasn't been able to show it because he's been so injury-prone. But this guy, he's a winner, and I hate using that term, trust me. But it actually applies to this kid. And I think he's going to come back, and he's going to come back with something to prove. And he's going to, you know, add to what they do this year. Um, You know, Bellinelli, <laughs> you can't really just slot that guy in for what Courtney Lee does. Theoretically, right, he's probably a better shooter. Um, he is. probably a better ball handler too. 
but he's just a vastly worse defender. You know, Thank he's you. just he's just <laughs> he's just nowhere near as good as on defense. Ramon Sessions is obviously a downgrade from Jeremy Lin. Um, and I don't think he's going to miss Big out much at all, honestly. I, you know what? You're not the only person. You're not the only person to say that. You're not the only person to say that, man. But hey, fourteen, fourteen, and like seven, eight off the bench. Or I mean, in in, in a limited role, as four, it's fourteen and seven. And it's crazy how you know Twitter's so hilarious to me because there was there were people telling me that Ramon Sessions was at, at least as good, if not better, than Jeremy Lin. And I'm <laughs> like, what basketball? What basketball do you watch if you're putting Ramon Sessions in the same league as Jeremy Lin, man? Uh, Lynn was actually uh, great for them last year. People got to understand that Jeremy Lynn actually has an NBA skill that is like, like, like you know, there are people who are elite rebounders. Like Jeremy Lynn gets to the basket and gets fouled consistently. Yes. That is an NBA yes. skill. Ramon Sessions, there's nothing Ramon Sessions does as well as Jeremy Lynn does that. So for Thank you. that alone, I'm like, these two guys, they're not comparable. Jeremy Lin is just a much, much better player than Ramon Sessions because he has, a, you know, a distinct NBA skill. And he's, you know, he's Man. a starting caliber player, Jeremy Lin. And they're, they're he definitely is a boy, he's the borderline starter, yeah. But guess what, though? He wasn't a starter in Charlotte. You know? Exactly. So I think his, I think losing him is mitigated by the fact that he wasn't being used fully anyway. So you're not losing as much. You weren't dependent upon him for so uh, much last year. I think Sessions now, slots in better as a backup anyway. You know. Uh, well, see, I'm gonna disagree there because a lot of times to end games, it was Lynn and Lynn and Kemba in running the dual point guard role and he was playing off ball or he was even attacking the split and roll. He was attacking in the pick and roll and letting Campbell, Campbell work and do his thing. So it's going to be interesting to see, man. That, that, that's my big thing. They lost, I think, uh, not you per se, but I think a lot of people are underrating. Well, I'm going to say you and Big Al. I think some of you are underrating yeah, how much Big they Al, really lost. Yeah, I'm good on Big Al. <laughs> <laughs> so what's their best case scenario? What's their, what's their, their, their absolute ceiling? Kimba plays and makes another leap. Uh, Michael Kidd Grill has played 75 games. It's, it's, it's healthy. Hey, I'm a Cody Frank... Zeller fan, by the way. I'm, oh, I'm all right. Active. I like Cody Zeller. Yeah. He's active. I like his activity, his motor. I like him. Okay. And, and, and guess, and, you know, and, and that's both on offense and defense. You know, his ability to dive on pick and rolls. He's not afraid to get his nose um dirty in there. You know, I, I like his activity a lot. That means oh. a lot. It does. It either brings something good to the team. But I just don't know if that's I, – I think they might have lost more than they gained. And let's see. Yeah, let's hear. What do you think? What's the absolute ceiling? Ceiling, I think it's 50 wins. I think they can win 50 games. They won 44 wow. last season, if I'm, not, if I'm not mistaken, right? Why can't they take win – look. Why can't they go wow. out and win 50 games this year? Why not? Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I got him at about you know maybe thirty eight, thirty nine. I just 30, I, I think thirty nine. Nah. Oh yeah, they missed, yeah, they missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. They're going to miss the playoffs this year. Woo, I think so. No, they're not missing the playoffs, man. And 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 I'm I, a big Steve Clifford fan. That guy gets it. He, he does. I, I give him that. Basketball my, wise. My thing with them is, uh, is I think the Wizards are going to make a, a bump and get back to where they were supposed to be last year. 
Um, and I, I just think they don't, they won't have enough. I think, I think they're going to have problems scoring. Um, I know it was Batum is awesome. Marvin, uh, Marvin Williams has, has proven himself to be a great stretch for. I just don't know if Kemba is that guy to lead them as far as they want to go. So sorry, Charlotte fans. Sorry, Charlotte fans. I'm not, I'm not a believer in you. Guys. Yeah. So, oh, wow. You know what, man? Last year, they, they won 48 last year. So there you yeah. go. I've, I'm, I'm still gonna put him out of playoffs. I don't know, man. I just, all right, all right. So last last one. Um, because again, I think I think the teams, I think Washington and I think Milwaukee's gonna come up this year too. So I think they might be one of the teams to fall out. We're gonna talk about you the Wizards. Milwaukee's um, gonna make a leap. Okay. Um, I, I, my only problem with Milwaukee is because I think I, I love Giannis. I love uh, I love our boy Jabari Parker. I don't like the Me Delhi too. signing for them, but that's. That's that's another. Yeah, you, you don't like it either. Don't yeah. Worry. I've, I've noticed. I've noticed your tweets. Uh, I, I can't I mean, stand look, them, dude. I, I, I can't stand I, it. I, <laughs> look, I started off as a deli. Like, are you kidding me with this guy? But I came around to to to, to the point where there was moments last season when I thought he should be starting. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Come on, just as man. A guy, just as a, no, next to LeBron, right? Sometimes somebody like Kyrie or D Wade, you know, they're, they're they're what they bring to the table can become redundant because LeBron is so do- ball dominant. But at least okay. with Kyrie to shoot, you know. But the I problem, you know, and to me, it's like ideally you just have a bunch of shooters and lockdown defenders next to LeBron, right? That's and he true. just do everything else. But you do need some ball handling, and you know, LeBron needs to take a rest. But I think Delhi. He's he's a good defender. He can make open shots, although it takes him forever to get him off. <laughs> and um, he's nah. not terrible. He's although he's kind of predictable in the pick and roll, meaning he's either going to throw a lot more floater. That's <laughs> it. That's it. People fall for it consistently, though. Every time, dog. <laughs> Yo, so I didn't mean to turn this into a I hate Delhi sex segment, but my thing is like he was a I'm not a huge advanced stat person, but they do tell stuff. He was a net negative and like box score plus minus value of replacement player was like nothing. I get it with LeBron, he was able to do that in small doses, right? You had him five, six minutes at a spurt, right? With LeBron James, best player on the planet. Giannis Alphabet is is a very nice young player. He's not LeBron James. So this whole right. thing about Giannis run the point, and now we're gonna he's gonna he's gonna play like he did with LeBron. Well, this dude is not LeBron, so we're gonna revisit yeah, that, that one too. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, you that, know, that, and I was idea, actually yeah. I was actually a big proponent of Jason Kidd, and I like what Jason Kidd was doing. You know, we getting off topic here, but I like I like letting Giannis run the point because. It's important for a player like Giannis to understand the threat of the pass, meaning that threat sets up your ability to score. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, I don't pass the ball, I get buckets. It's like you're making your life easier when, there is, when you're not predictable. You know, right. when you, Jason Kidd teaching this guy the value of the threat of passing to me is going to – it's gonna pay dividends down the road for him. Where yeah, he I, I agree. And what the value of playmaking is not that he's going to become LeBron James level. I can just be a full time primary ball handler. No, but 
you know, teaching a kid, you know, the nuances of the game, man, and, and thinking it on, on, on different levels, I think that's important. I, I agree. And I don't I like the I like the experiment. I don't like the fact that they picked Delhi as his running mate. And if, what part of it is because <laughs> I just hate Delhi. But part of it, I don't think I, I don't think Delhi's as good as LeBron and the Cavs made him seem, and it's gonna be kind of exposed mm-hmm. him this year a little bit. So, so um, yeah, it's look, like a booby Gibson situation. <laughs> I do. I do think that. I think that. <laughs> I think once he's outside of out of outside of the, the confines of, of LeBron James's sphere of influence, we're going to see how bum, what a bum he is. Um, <laughs> so, By so the way, we talk I just about. Want to tell everybody out there that they, this hate, like I don't have share this hate for Delhi not anymore anyway, but it just warms my soul. I love it. <laughs> Um, him and Evan Turner, dog. Him and Evan Turner can burn in hell for all I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Evan Turner. I'm good on him, too. Yeah, bums, man. All right, all right so LeBron James, hands down, best player in the league. We, we were discussing this a couple times on Twitter. Best, second best player in the East, I think, is Paul George. Somebody might argue John Wall. Do you think John Wall has a case? Where Where do you see John Wall? Um, and does last season actually change your point of view? It does for me. I love John Wall, and I had him as a top, you know, Top four or five point guard and great. And he is, he's a good player, but last season, the inability to take that almost the same team uh back to the playoffs, it, it kind of like you were saying, we said earlier, the, the inability to shoot and space the floor, even though John Wall can get to the rim and score when he wants to. We already know that he's one of the fastest players in the league. But something about him, that next level point guard has to be a, a, a be a more of a scoring threat. And I don't know if he's on that level. Even though we've seen him be great with the right pieces around him, it seems like he needs a very specific team around him, or else, you know, we're gonna see what we saw last season. What's your take on Wall? Um. Okay. So I, I like these conversations because this there's two ways of thinking for me. Um. Sometimes you can think about a player in a vacuum, right? And I was talking to my right. man Ethan Sherwood Strauss. Shouts to him. We were arguing by a text whether. Steph Curry is a better player than KD, and whether I would have said oh. that for the playoffs, right? And I was right. like, in a vacuum, Kevin Durant is a better player than Steph Curry, period. Full stop, donezo. Meaning, you know, sometimes these things are context-specific. Steph plays on a team. He plays with a guy like Draymond. You know, if you're too big to search Ibaka and Steven Adams, uh, blitzing Steph on a pick and roll actually works all the time. Because it does. When, when Serge Ibaka or Steven Adams gets the ball at the top of the key and they got a playmate, that's not the same threat as Draymond Green. So teams, that that now gets taken out of the arsenal of a defense now that he gets to play with Draymond Green. And so now all these other things, all these other dominoes begin to fall and things get to be unlocked to where he's able to put out, put the output out there that would allow him to be the best player in the NBA, right? And that's, right. that's what I mean by context-specific. Context you can't throw him on the Knicks and, and expect him to put the exact same output out. It's right. not going to happen. Like, these things don't happen in a vacuum. There's context to all of these stats. That's, that's my thing with all advanced stats. A lot of times people just look at an advanced stat and they don't think about the ecosystem within which those stats grew out of. 
you have to consider those things when you talk about any advanced stat. And so, in a vacuum, do I think John Wall is better than Paul George? Ah, I think it's really close. Because I'm really bullish on Paul George. I think it's really close. Honestly, I do. And that's because you know, last year I think was a down year, but I think their team, one is coaches off. Okay. they uh, Randy Whitman is a bad coach. He was. Look at that. My man got mid-rant. He got so high to drop the call. Um, he's going to call right back again. And he's absolutely right. Everything is contest dependent, man. It's like, uh, and he's right. You can't just take stuff. And and put him in the Knicks and think he's gonna put up thirty and 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 thirty and seven and and hit all Sorry. these you know shoot forty five percent three because uh, Steph couldn't do that in, in the Knicks. I was just I was keeping it rolling, I was doing my my banter while he was gone. But um, I hope it didn't kill your rant, man. Not, you you would, no, go ahead. no no no. The, the take was so scorching that that the Watson was like, <laughs> no, we can't handle it. Um. No, but what I was going to say was, you know, last year, the, the, uh, the one Randy Whitman I'm not a fan is, and I'm not one of these coach killer type of dudes who just thinks I know more than a coach because I, do, I know I don't, but I just don't think Randy Whitman is an NBA-level, elite, good, above-average, NBA-level basketball coach. I don't think so. That's the one. Two, he's not, um, right? uh, two, no, he's not. Two... The, the the injury situation was was abysmal last year in in Washington. Granted, some people would True. say, "Well, you probably should have did better, even considering the injuries." I think the injuries had a lot to do with everything. But I think the year before, you really got to see what John Wall brings to a team. Man, like this guy is able to generate so many open threes, and in the playoffs, you could see. When I when I was talking about with Giannis, you know that threat of the past. John Wall was using the threat of his past to score in the playoffs right. the season before last. You were able to see the full John Wall repertoire. And what I don't think gets mentioned nearly enough is this man's defense. He actually tries hard on defense and is really good at it. He's not like Russ, who we know is athletic. We know who, if he put his mind to it, he'd be an uh, amazing defender. Where He's like, I don't even know if we can call him average on defense. John Wall is probably the best point guard defender we have in the NBA. And okay. not to mention, he'll even, go, he'll even go meet guys at the rim, okay? He's doing that. He does the back in the days when D-Wade used to be a, 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 a pseudo rim protector at the guard position. John Wall gives you a little bit of that, too. He's not quite D-Wade level where D-Wade was averaging a block a game. He was not that. Right. But he has that component to his game. And so when you, you know, when you put all of that together, I could see how somebody would make the argument that he's the second best player in the conference. I would probably lean towards Paul George. But, I, you know, there's an argument to be made there. I'm a big, I don't know, I'm a big John Wall fan. I'm a big fan of the guy. He's one of my favorite dudes to watch, man. And it's unfortunate the injury situation that happened last season, but I, I'm a big fan of his. Okay, so I'm gonna do. I'm gonna plead a, a quick mea culpa because I'm I'm guilty of doing something. I've seen other people do, and I hate it. We 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 do underrate how important defense is, and you know, for John Wall to average what 17 and nine, 17 and 10, and be a lockdown defender at the point, it does mean it should it should it should mean a little more. 
you're absolutely right. right. Uh, just just because you can't stack a, a offense on his back like a Dame or like a like a Steph Curry, and he's going to give you 25 a night. That shouldn't. You're right. So I, maybe I'm a little hard on him for that. Um, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta fa- I gotta own up to it right there. Um, so you, and we both agree, Randy Whitman was not the answer. It's funny because the uh, I follow a lot of Bullets bloggers, and they've been saying this for years. So even when he got his extension, all that, they're like, "Oh, what are we doing?" So what yeah. do you think Scott Brooks? What is Scott Brooks going to bring to the table? Uh, we know Brooks is a player's coach. He did really well bringing up uh, Russ and KD and Serge, letting these guys be the best they can be. Now the critique on him would be he didn't do enough to actually teach them like X's and O's and and give them enough structure. How do you think he's going to fit with Washington? Uh, I think he'll do fine, man. I think Scott Brooks actually is an above-average NBA coach. You know what I'm saying? Okay. And and what people, uh, I think what a, a lot of, uh, and, and I count us amongst basketball nerds, I think what we undersell with these coaches is what they do that doesn't involve drawing up beautiful out-of-timeout plays, Right? managing personalities, getting guys to buy in, getting guys, convincing guys that they should play hard for you. You understand? Like, the the, the idea that that, that players are just professionals and they just show up and they just, you know, they're balls to the wall no matter what. Like, the, the ability to get guys to buy in, that's why you can't undersell a guy like Doc Rivers. His ability to get players to buy in and, and and into what he's doing, whether he's an X and O's magician or not, his ability to manage personalities—that's key. Okay, his ability that's to true. manage a locker room—that's key. Delegate responsibilities amongst his assistants—that's key. Like these are things that we don't uh, see, but these things are important as a coach. And to think that Scott Brooks could have just rolled the balls out in OKC and they would have been. Whoever they became, what they became, no matter what, is a little silly to me. I, we under we undersell these other things that matter as well, and I think Scott Brooks he brings that, you know, to the team, and I think he'll do fine as far as putting together a decent enough offense, and you know, and I got to shout out my man Amin again because he's the person that introduced this idea to me. It's like just like players can improve, coaches can improve too. So, uh, you know, it's Scott Brooks, he, he took a year off. Um, who's to say he hasn't gotten better? He hasn't learned some things. Same with Tibbs. You know, okay, Tibbs I'm gonna say, I'll, I'll, yeah, ahead, I was going to say real quick that like, I'm, I'm completely with you on Scott Brooks. I think he kind of got a – I understand why OKC let him go, but I think he got a raw deal because they should either let him go after uh, Russ got hurt or gave him at least halfway through the season, uh, you know, after uh, – after KD got hurt and that, that, you know, they missed the playoffs because uh, like you said, it, it matters that KD and Russ both would run through a wall for him. And they all, they, they had nothing but glowing yeah. things to say about him their whole time with him. I've never, he just, he, he really reached those guys. It matters that Harden turned into the player he did under him. And so, yeah, sure. He wasn't a great X and O's guy. He, he obviously he wasn't. Uh, he, and, and he depended maybe too much on Russ and KD, but like you said, that matters. And I just want to also say real quick, I think doc rivers, for that talent, yes, but you know, I think that ring got Doc a little overrated, as where as I think I'm kind of <laughs> seeing now. Yeah, look, let's be real. I think he's a little bit overrated. He's had great players, and like right now, not it's it's not hard to play when you got you know to win a lot of games. Well, it's also hard to win games, 
But when you got Chris, a player like Chris Paul and Blake Griffin on your team, you don't gotta yeah. be a genius like, like so. But I'm sorry, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, that's pretty much it, man. I, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know about Trey Burke. I'm, I'm a big Nagini guy. I'm a, I'm a big fan yes. of Nagini, especially on the defensive end. You know, uh-huh. he's a guy. Like, you know, sometimes it's like this for me. We talked about Hassan Whiteside, where he's not maximizing all of his physical gifts. Nagini is actually getting everything out of his ability on that defensive end. You know, he's thinking Agreed. the game on defense. Um, I'm a fan of that guy. Um, I'm glad he got the deal that he did. I think he's going to do a tremendous job um, in Washington. He's going to be real sturdy for them, and I'm happy yep. I'm happy they picked him up. That's actually why I think they're going to they're gonna make uh, – uh, they're elevating themselves back to the playoff contention but for the simple fact that uh, as skilled as Gortat is, we've – you know, we keep saying this, it sounds cliche, the modern NBA – he doesn't really fit the modern NBA because, I mean, he's, he's kind of slow-footed and he can't defend the rim. And uh, players know how to attack that kind of guy now. So Mahimni gives him rim protection. He, you know, uh, he's not a huge – you know, he doesn't have the greatest hands, but he can run the pick and roll. Uh, diving down the middle, he'll draw some attention. And uh, Trey Burke, is, he's, a, he's, he's a microwave scorer off the bench, and I think they're going to ask him to, to you know, small, make his role a little smaller, and I think he'll fit right in. They're going to ask him to come in, put pressure on the defense, uh, and and he'll fit right in. He's be, he's a, he's definitely upgrade from Ramon Sessions. Um, another thing, a question we had was Markeith Morris. Uh, you know, they did like, I think they had him in the midseason trade last year. Now with the full training camp, I think we're going to see a, a different a different Markeith, and he'll be used a little better, especially besides Mahimney. I like what they did. I like what they did there. Um, my one question I have for you is ring is the wing production, right? We know with LeBron James, it's all about trying to match some kind of wing production, either on offense or defense. They got the young boys, Otto Porter and Kelly Oubre. Uh, is that enough on the wings to 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 actually run with the big boys in the East? Ah, I mean, it depends on what you get out of Bill, right? <laughs> like, um, if you're if he's hurt, no, it's not enough. Because I don't. That's the question. Count on those, I don't think you can count on those guys for the for the amount of firepower you need from your wings without Brad Bill in the fold. You know, yes. and I like Oubre, and I and I think Otto Porter has gotten, you know, he has a, he was the third pick in the draft, and you know, with that comes a certain level of expectation, and he probably hasn't met them, you know, in in the fashion that some of us would have liked. But at the end of the day, the guy the guy plays hard. Um, he's a he's a decent, solid defender. You know, both yep. wing positions. I, I wouldn't put him on any bigs ever. You know, I don't like him as a small ball four, but he's a he's a solid he's a solid wing defender. Um, his jumper is steadily improving. He's made improvements since his rookie season. I'm I'm not mad at it, but you gotta get Bill has to be in it all at an all star level, man. For 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 the level of production that you're gonna get out of Oubre and Otto Porter to be okay, you know, those guys aren't gonna yeah. give you a lot. As far as offensive firepower, if, if Bill's not if Bill's not cooking, it, uh, they, they, it's slim picking to them on the wings. Man, I just and I worry because I saw the report saying that you know Bill said himself I might be on a minute, a minute restriction for like you know my foreseeable future. So it's not like just for the first thirty games that he mm. might for you know the next three four years however long so he can prove that it was, his legs aren't made out of freaking macaroni. 
that even my minute restriction restriction man um so last season they won they went 500 they won 41 what do you think this year uh they'll be over that they'll, they'll be over that they'll be a 47 win team oh they'll be a 47 win team I, I i like them at 47 i i don't know man you gotta you gotta think about you gotta account for injuries to both bill and john wall man you know, you gotta you gotta account for injuries to both of those guys. I think they're vulnerable to to an injury. Um, okay, forty seven. Uh, yeah, right. I, yeah, I like them at forty seven wins. If they if they can have any modicum of injury luck, just normal like uh, Beal only misses about ten games this season. I think they, yeah, they'll get to forty seven wins. Why not? All right. Hey, uh, and that, last hey. year was a catastrophe, and they got to forty. It was. It was, and you know, honestly, like they stripped out. They, don't forget, they stripped down the roster, you know, with the hopes of trying to run at KD this offseason, which failed miserably mm-hmm. and was kind of a silly idea <laughs> in the first place. But yeah, they, they did. They they didn't really do all they could last season because they wanted to keep cap space for this summer. Um, yeah, I think they're gonna. I can see 47, 48, and I think they're gonna be better than people. People are kind of wrote them off already, right? Outside, out of mind. I think they're in, and like I said, I think I think your boy Charlotte are out this year. What about the Knicks? You think the Knicks making the playoffs? I'm in New oh, York you try now, me, man. You try to get me New killed York right now. now. Let me tell you. All right, Knicks so fans, Knicks fans are talking about 55 wins, bro. <laughs> my man, I know for a fact that Knicks. This is this is the most complimentary thing I can say. Knicks fans, are, Knicks fans are the most passionate fans on earth. Uh, the most passionate, optimistic earth. So, I'm sorry, Knicks fans. I can see a, a nice strong start, uh, but then Ro, I, I'm, not, I'm worried about Rose's health. I don't think Rose is a good fit with with Melo and uh, and and your new boy uh, Porzingis. Uh, he's a shoot first point guard. I think he's gonna have injury issues. I think the same with Brandon Jennings. But he's you know he's you know if his Achilles is right, he's gonna be an asset. I just don't see them leapfrogging the you know the Pistons and the Pacers and the Hornets. There's only eight playoff spots, so I think the Knicks are gonna be a lot better. They won 32 last year. Uh, they, they'll be right on the outside of the playoffs. I don't think they. Make I just want to say a quick thing about D Rose because I actually got to get out of here. Um, yes, sir. Call him a shoot first point guard, but that was by necessity in Chicago. You know, like that's what was asked of him on the Bulls. They asked him to be their primary scorer because. At the end of the day, they didn't really have any options before Jimmy Butler became who Jimmy Butler now is. So I, I think we're, I think we undersell D Rose's playmaking ability because if people remember his one year in Memphis, Kyle Party was like, we had, we had to convince this kid to shoot. Okay, uh... like he only averaged, he only averaged about fourteen points in Memphis. He 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 wasn't a, he wasn't a shoot first guy. He was a guy that wanted to get guys involved. I think D. Rose can be a playmaking type of guy. Not to say he's going to turn into goddamn Jason Kidd or anything. I'm just saying, I think we oversell how how much of a shoot-first kind of mentality this guy is because of what he was asked to do in Chicago. And I think it okay. got a little bit complicated when Jimmy Butler became who he was because Derrick Rose had grown accustomed to a role there. But now that he's in a new situation and there already is a guy like Carmelo Anthony there, he can't really expect to be some primary scoring type of guy. 
Okay, so here's my rebuttal to that, though. I, I, I respect what you say about college, and he was a pass first, and, and Calipari said, hey, we had, to, we had to make him shoot. Now, after six, seven, eight years in the league, doesn't matter what he was in college. <laughs> he is what he is now. You know, he got used to being mm-hmm. able to take a lot of shots, handle the rock, That's do true. what he wanted, and, and sure, he's going to a new situation, but he, he still thinks of himself as a star guy, as his comments, you know, a couple you know, last summer when he was like, oh, I can't wait to break the bank for agency. So he still thinks of himself as, as an upper echelon player. And that's where I think, look, I mean, he, ego is real. And these NBA players all should have ego because they, you know, they're one of a handful of, of elite athletes to, to, who can do the what they 1% do. The 1% of the 1% at what they do. Like, yes, sir. And so at the same time, that can cut both ways because now when a player might need to step back and say, what, what complimentary role can I take? I think Rose still sees himself as he'll be a dominant player. So that's going to be interesting to watch the the, the interplay between him and Melo next season and also trying to get Porzingis and shots and touches. It's going to be interesting, man, because they got a lot of gunners uh, and potential scoring power. I just don't know if they put it all together. And honestly, it sounds mean, Knicks fans, but a lot of my, my doubts is because it's the Knicks. Last few years, the Knicks just, <laughs> they, can't, they can't get out of their but, own hey, you way. Know what I like even, about, you know what I like about this season? If What's Noah that? goes down, D Rose gets hurt, the Knicks actually own their draft pick. So it, it's actually a stealth tank job, too. People are underrating uh, the tank. The tank aspect of it. They, people are and, underselling that. Noah gets hurt, D Rose goes down. I can easily see Melo doing the early vacation. All right, I'm taking these back. And, you know, they get a beautiful pick out of it. And they don't need to bring back D-Rose. They don't, I mean, you know, no one's going to be their starting center for the foreseeable future, which I'm actually, whatever. You could actually turn him into a backup eventually um, when you I don't slot um, Porzingis into the starting role. But, yeah, man, I'm, I'm actually, I'm fine about this season for them because, Either way you slice it, it's going to be good things for them. If they if they turn into a solid quality team, that's great for the fans. If they don't, at least they own their pick. And then after the mess of last season, anything's an improvement from this year, right? I could dig that, man. Yeah, pretty hey, much. big big wise man. I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to to stop by and chop it up with us about the south Yo, the southeast no problem, like this. Man. I'd love to have no you problem. on again during really the season. Oh my man! Yeah, we'll, um, hey, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, no, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be on, man. I appreciate you reaching out to me. Um, this was fun. My brother, man. Hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Take care. We got to take care of, man. I'm gonna holler at you. All right, take care of yourself later. All right, man. Really good stuff from Big Waz, man. That was cool. Um, he told me he had about an hour. Uh, we ended up talking, talking, and we ran over. And, you know, he 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 wasn't stressed about it at all. That's cool. Um, I appreciate what he brings to the True Hoop Network, man, because all those guys are great. Uh, I mean, uh, entertaining. All those guys are great and knowledgeable. Uh, Ethan Sherwood Strauss, you know, all, all those guys. They're really great. But sometimes – it becomes uh, it's it's almost like Big Waz is, is the fans' perspective, uh, intelligent fans' perspective, and he breaks it down like just like you know you or me or, or anybody else, and he it, it helps sometimes because I think sometimes uh, especially like Ethan Sherwin Strauss is one of the smartest guys I, I I know and follow in his basketball, but sometimes I think they they sometimes people can parse things down a little too small and almost find an excuse or find a way to. To, to make anything sound logical 
and I think Big Big Waz he, he steps in. I hate why I said his name just now. Hey, I think that he uh he steps in and kind of keeps it to a a, a real world kind of practicality, and I appreciate that from him. So um yeah, we we chopped it down, man. Uh, so sounds like we'll see how do we how do we end up playing it out. Sounds like he thinks he's high in the Wizards. He's high. In, he's high in almost everybody actually, except for Orlando, and I'm kind of with him. I might I don't think Orlando or Charlotte make the playoffs. Um, and I don't think the Heat really make it either. He was he was actually saying he thought they might be. No, he agreed with me. I think he said the Heat gonna miss too. Hope so. If y'all listening, y'all know what he said. I don't, I don't remember. I got. Um, so yeah, that's it for the the southeast. Uh, we're gonna go back west next uh, for the next podcast uh, for number three. I'm not sure we're gonna have yet. Um, I really want to say a big shout out to uh, where my man at. Uh, my man Patrick uh, uh, on Twitter. He's uh, at <clears throat> at sfamxnoble. That's all all together. Sfamxnoble. My man Patrick. Man, he's the one. He got the sounds together for me uh, for the intro music and the outro, and it just adds a little pop. You know what I'm saying? Makes the show sound a little more legit. I appreciate him. He was. I was asking, him, hey, who who could you know do a little sound edit for me? He was like, oh, I got it. You know what I'm saying? My man stepped up and he dropped some some real. Hope you guys enjoy it too. Uh, we'll take requests too. So Patrick, thanks, brother. Uh that's uh at S Fam X Noble. Y'all see y'all Adam when we, we talk about this too. But uh big thanks to my man Big Waz. Uh, uh a lot of fun, good insight. And I got some more surprise guests for the next uh next four divisions. I think you guys will enjoy this. So everybody, uh thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh on the way out, I'm James Holis, a.k.a. Snotty Drippin' on Twitter. Check out me and my peoples over at bballbreakdown.com, and I'll holler at you guys on the, on the, on the flip side. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can seem intense. Like, breakup R&B intense. I thought you said you loved the sweater that I got you. If you didn't, you could have told me. Geico makes it easy. Just go to Geico.com anytime to update or check your policy. Without all the extra drama. I even had a gift It's the most wonderful time of the year. And with help from Albertsons, it doesn't have to be the most stressful. Stop in for great deals on holiday favorites so you can stretch your budget and celebrate more. Pick up fresh, boneless, skinless chicken breasts or thighs, just $1.59 a pound when you buy a value pack of three pounds or more. And get General Mills cereal 10.7 to 13 ounces, selected varieties, $1.57 when you buy two. Tastier meals, sweeter deals, happier holidays. Albertsons, it's just better.